Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, we spent a lot of time so far today on Monday Night Football last night. Uh, depending on which perspective you have, it was an abject disaster for the football fans where we are here in New York as the Giants just look awful. They have not yet scored a touchdown in their two home games this season, and their season feels like it is spiraling hopelessly out of control. We'll have much more on them as we go. A reminder, you can watch Greeny on the ESPN app. Just click on watch. Look for hashtag Greeny. You can spend time with us anytime you would like. Meanwhile, we're in the midst of our question of the day, and I'm going to give you my answer. And I'm going to throw the phones open to you right now at 888-SAY-ESPN. I'll set it up for those of you just joining us. Earlier on the show, Hembo, who is a baseball nut. Hembo loves baseball more than you love anything. Hembo said, today's the best day because the best of all the postseasons starts today. And another reminder, ESPN Radio is your home for every pitch of the baseball playoffs, as we have been for so many years. So that starts today, and Hembo said it's the best of all the postseasons. So today's question is, which is the best of the postseasons? We're including the four major sports, football, basketball, baseball, and hockey, plus college football and college basketball. So I think those are significant enough in the American culture now that they fit within the framework of this question. In fact, Bubba picked March Madness as his choice for the best of all the postseasons. Cam agreed with you that it was baseball. So as I prepare to give my answer, I'll once again say our phone number is 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. And I will tell you why, in my opinion, you are all wrong. Here, in my opinion, is what the objective of a postseason is. It is to determine the best team. And unfortunately, what happens in March Madness, which I love, and Hemba, what happens in the baseball playoffs is that it determines a champion much more than it determines the best team. Baseball had to succumb at some point in time to the changing of our culture, the changes in society, to where it had to emphasize its postseason because we're not a country that has the attention span that we used to. But the truth is, baseball's postseason historically consisted of the best team in the American League against the best team in the National League. It was a best-of-seven series between teams that spent 154 and then later 162 games proving they deserve to be there. By inviting these other teams to the party and asking them to settle the matter in ways that no baseball fan understands are really determining who's better. Baseball is not a sport that in any given week you determine who the best team is. A best-of-three series is not how you decide the better team. If you go back over the stats, you will find numerous examples this year of the worst team in baseball winning a series against a much better team, certainly winning two out of three. And so that's not a great way to determine the best team. It is a great way to pick a champion, way better way than they used to have. March Madness is the best way to pick a champion 
It's the worst way to determine the best team. I like the basketball and hockey playoffs for that reason. You earn it in the NBA and the NHL. You want to prove you're the best team? Do it over the course of four best-of-seven series. A best-of-seven series is the best way in both of those sports to determine who the best team is or who the better team is, at least in that case. Now, in hockey, we get a lot of fluky results, and mostly that comes down to the hockey, to the goalie. Right, Goalie stands on his head, changes everything. That one player is so disproportionately important He's like Michael Jordan. The goalie can do something like Michael can or LeBron can, can just be so individually good that it carries a team. But that said, if you win four best of seven series, then in my opinion, you have proved yourself worthy of being the champion. There are no flukes. Miami being the eight seed last year, I think would not have been a fluke because they would have beaten the better teams four out of seven. It's not like we played them once on a Saturday night and one guy got in foul trouble and we got hot. So I'm going to say I think the best postseasons are in pro football and pro basketball, to some degree football, because the nature of football is just a one and done anyway. But I like those. I would actually put baseball and March Madness at the bottom of my list for that reason. So that's a very strong argument to make. But the way that I answered this question was as a fan, right? So you said the objective of a, of a, of a postseason is to determine the best team. The objective of a postseason is not just to determine the best team. It is to do that in the most entertaining and profitable way possible. And that's what the leagues are doing, and that's what the leagues have done. I understand 100% where you're coming from. But the reason we got here is because there's so much public interest in this and that we know that every single seat will be filled in these stadiums and that millions and millions of people will watch them too. And so from an entertainment standpoint, the way that we're doing it now in baseball is way better than it used to be, even though we have watered down the playoff. Okay, so what I heard in that is, Greeny, you're right. That's basically what I just heard you say. So let's see what everybody else thinks. You can be a part of Greeny Nation right now on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. The question is, which sport has the best postseason? Cam, who's first up? Chris in Iowa. All right, Chris, you're on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Chris, which sport has the best postseason? Hey, Greeny, thanks so much for taking the call. Um, I believe that while all the postseasons are fantastic, I think hockey has probably one of the best postseasons because you will see stadiums that are not normally full, and then once the playoffs hit, everybody and their mother is coming out of the woodwork to pack those stadiums. And I believe that with playoff performances – There is no other sport where they are made or broken than in hockey. All right, Chris, it's a good call. I mean, I think basketball is at least equally that way. Pro football, I think, is that way as well. I think legacies are made and broken there. Um, Tom Brady is not the greatest quarterback of all time because of what he did in the regular season. Um, I I think legacies are generally made and broken in almost every sport in the playoffs. Baseball, I think, is the biggest outlier. I mean, Ted Williams and Ernie Banks and all these guys didn't play in the postseason, and yet they still are considered among the greatest of all time. That's not true in any other sport. No, I Agreed. And I think the best argument in favor of hockey is, I guess like baseball in some sense, that it's so tense because in basketball, like you'll have an ebb and flow and it'll be 195, right? Like you might have a one nothing game in hockey, and so then you have to be on the edge of your seat constantly. Like the, the opportunity... To score and for teams to differentiate themselves just isn't there the same way. Look, hockey 
And, and anyone who, I mean, the, the big complaint that I've been hearing all my life is you don't talk enough about hockey. It mm-hmm. just isn't a sport that's in my blood the way the others are. But even I, who would definitively put it last amongst my favorite sports that we're talking about, I cannot breathe in an overtime of a playoff mm-hmm. hockey game. There is nothing like the um, intensity, the excitement, particularly in a, in a, you know, if it's a 3 nothing series, that's one thing. But if you get yourself in a, in a, in a competitive series, and you go that the, the little bit of hockey that I covered, um, I covered the Blackhawks in a playoff series against the Vancouver Canucks one year, and we went up to it was when I went to the, it's the only time I've been to Vancouver. That's my the most beautiful city you've ever seen in your life, by the way. But that was the most competitive sweep of all time. The, the Blackhawks won that series four games to none, but I think three of the four went to overtime. And when the game is going on, you cannot breathe. You, you can't catch your breath, and you're not even playing. So I agree, overtime playoff hockey is the most individually exciting thing in sports. Yeah, I would also say that hockey has the best game seven, in large part because of that, too. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's the best. Baseball is pretty good. Pretty uh, good. Baseball game seven is pretty it's good. pretty good. Um, but I think that like tense hockey feeling in a game seven is it's right at the top of the list. Cam, who's next? Anthony in New York. Anthony, you're on the Dr. Pepper call in line. What's the best uh, postseason, Anthony? Hey, good morning, fellas. Um, I feel that the football be the best postseason out of the mall because only reason I feel like this, you're waiting a whole week to see who's going to be the better team out of the two playing the game. So it's a one and done situation. It's not no series. I mean, I like the series as far as series, I'll go with hockey, but if you tell me for postseason, I'll honestly choose the NFL's postseason. Anthony, thank you for the, the I hear you. Thank you for the call. See, here's the reverse argument to the one you made. You made the argument that you got to see a game every single day, and that's awesome. I will say, and my team hasn't been in the playoffs in 12 years, but I think I remember this accurately, that when your team is in the playoffs, you have all week to build it up. I remember being so ex- – when the Jets got knocked out in the AFC Championship game, those back-to-back years, more than regretting – that I didn't get to see them play in the game. I regretted the two weeks I wasn't going to get to be excited. Like that, I remember those weeks. You're so excited. You're consuming everything you can. I'm listening to every talk show. I'm reading every single thing in the newspaper, every single thing on the internet. You're so excited and interested and focused, and you're going to have a big party at whatever it is, whoever you're going to watch with. You have all week to plan that. Um, and so maybe one could make the argument, as I think Anthony is making, that the week of anticipation is actually what makes it great. Right. Like you actually have the opportunity to build to the crescendo, yeah. which you can't otherwise. I also really like the way that the NFL has now like spaced out the playoffs. So like each like all those weekends now, you're just locked. Like starting on Saturday, you're just locked on your couch. They've done a great job with that. To me, I still prefer like the day-to-day grind of it. But it's a good argument if you're one who likes that kind of tense buildup throughout the week. Yeah, we've you got nowadays you got the two games on Saturday, you got the three games on Sunday, and then the Monday night game that first weekend mm-hmm. of the playoffs. Then you get to divisional weekend, which generally I think is the best. Um, and then you get the championship games and all that. So yeah, the football postseason. Look, I don't think you can go wrong with that one. Um, so I think uh, to me again, I would put the ones that you put at the top mm-hmm. closer to the bottom. Give me one more, Cam. Lance in Ohio. Lance, what is the best postseason? 
Well, I know it's about to change, and, you know, there's big changes coming. But as it is right now, I think college football has the best playoff system. I mean, going undefeated just isn't enough. you got to have a strong strength to schedule. You have to dominate who you're playing. There's more major conferences than there is playoff spots, so you really have to hit on all of those. And I think that lines up the four best teams head-to-head to find out who's the best. I really like that, Lance. Thank you. It's a perfect one to end it on. Because the point I made was the best way to decide a champion, in my opinion, is to figure out which is the best team. Baseball used to do that. Again, if you're just joining us, that's the point that I made earlier. It used to just be the teams that proved themselves over the course of 154 games and then 162 games to be the best in their league. And only one of those two could win it. By definition, there's no room for a fluke. College football still gives you that. You have to have proven yourself, at least in the minds of the people sitting in that committee, that you were one of the four best teams in the country. And even if we want to make an argument that one of the teams shouldn't have been there, there's no way they were the 11th best team in the country, right? At worst, they were the fifth or sixth best team in the country in anyone's estimation. So the legitimacy of the champion is what I like. Like I've always said, March Madness is the best sporting event we have, but it's the worst way to pick a champion. They shouldn't call that team the national champion. They should call them the NCAA tournament champion. You wind up cutting down the nets and they say, oh, you won the national championship. Eh, not really. You won the NCAA tournament. And, and one is not necessarily better than the other. I get it. But it just feels to me like there is a difference. So will your opinion on this change when we go from four teams to 12 teams? Like, do you think we're making the format worse? In that sense, I, I guess a little worse, but you're making a lot of other things better. Like I get, I'm not suggesting baseball should go back. Right. Don't get me wrong. I get why they're doing what they're doing. It is much better. It makes the end of the regular season much better. And this next month will be fabulous beginning today. Don't get me wrong. As a fan, mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying. I am saying though, as one who grew up the little sports geek that I was reading books about all-time great teams. It feels weird to me to read about the 9-7 and seven Giants who won the Super Bowl. It just doesn't feel right. I mean, they went through that long stretch in the season where they lost this game and they lost that game. It just isn't the same thing. You think about the Super Bowl champion as being the best team. It isn't. It's the team that got hottest at the very end, mm-hmm. and there's something about that that is, I feel is contrary to what this used to be. That said, we have very sad statistics coming out of last night's game that we will get to, and we have some very interesting stuff out of the NBA that we haven't touched on at all. So all that's on the way coming up next. You're listening to Greeny on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space 
to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. No matter where you are, you can always listen to us on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or any of a million other ways that we can hang out every day. Again, if you were just joining us, uh, we just went through today's question of the day, which is, does baseball have the best postseason? The answer, it is both the best and the worst. But either way, it starts today, and all of the games are on ESPN Radio, as always. Hembo has never been more excited about anything, and he will be getting you ready as the day continues. In the meantime, I've got a bunch of numbers coming out of Monday Night Football last night that are so sad, it hurts me to read them. I am not a fan of the New York Giants, but I'm sad on behalf of all of the people in my life who are. I was born and raised in New York, and I work in New York. I got a lot of friends who are Giant fans, and so cover your ears. The Giants are the only team ever to play three primetime, excuse me, the only team this year to play three primetime games. In those games, they have been outscored 94 to 15. Daniel Jones is on pace to get sacked 93 times. The record is 76. He was pressured 25 times last night. The Giants are only the fourth team ever with three or fewer points scored through their first two home games of a season. I'll say that again. They've played two home games this year. They've scored a combined total of three points. They haven't scored a touchdown in eight quarters at home this year. And last night, they allowed the Seahawks to become the first team since 1967 to have 11 sacks and a pick six in the same game. The Giants aren't bad. They're awful. And as I said earlier this morning, they are a testament on at least some level to the curse of high expectations or inflated expectations. Their season last year gave everyone, maybe even them themselves, the wrong impression about where they were on the continuum of becoming a contender. The truth was they remained much closer to a team that needed to rebuild than a team that was ready to challenge for a Super Bowl. But I think in part because their season was so good, they felt a lot of external pressure and maybe even convinced themselves that they were closer than they are. The reality is they're going to have a terrible season. They're going to get waxed in the next two games. They play Miami and Buffalo. So their season will be hopelessly lost at that point 
They also play in what I think is the best division in football. Cowboys, Eagles, and Washington's pretty damn good, I think. So take all that out of the equation. The real thing they will spend the rest of the season doing is figuring out if Daniel Jones is a quarterback they want to continue to play with. And if they really do wind up with a top five draft pick, I think we see the end of Jones after one more year. You know, yesterday was such a, a, an instructive snapshot of the Giants in relation to Seattle, who, by the way, theoretically at least, were in a very similar position. A team last year that won nine games, a team that last year won nine games and made the playoffs with a quarterback that exploded in a way that we did not expect. Like Geno Smith, like Daniel Jones, had the year of his life last season. And the Seahawks, like the Giants, paid him for it. But what we saw yesterday was the obvious difference in infrastructure. What we saw yesterday was the obvious difference in roster quality. So on one hand, it looks like the Giants may have paid Daniel Jones incorrectly for his aberration. It looks to me like Seattle has done the right thing. It's sort of just, you know, on full display on Monday Night Football, an interesting snapshot of where both of those two franchises are now, considering they were almost in the exact same spot a year ago. Well, I mean, the Seahawks are going to come out so well on this Russell Wilson trade. It's unbelievable. I mean, last night, Devin Witherspoon had a 97-yard pick six. He came in the Russell Wilson trade. Noah Fant caught a ball up the right sideline and after a bunch of embarrassing missed tackles by the Giants, almost took it in for a score. He came in the Russell Wilson trade. Drew Locke had to come in when Geno Smith had his ankle rolled up on. He came in the Russell Wilson trade. They have remade that roster, the offensive linemen that they drafted. They are so good in so many places because of all they got for Russell Wilson. They drafted um, Boye Mafe in the second round. He had a sack. He had He's one of the 11 player. sacks. Another yep. really good player. That's And who's the offensive lineman they took last year who's really Charles good? Charles Cross. Go back to Charles Cross. Yeah, he, he didn't even play last night, no, by the way. No, but he's but a yes, good player. a really good player. And, and the second round pick, I mean, they got, all, they got ones and twos. They, 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 it never ends. They, they have so many players they got from the Russell Wilson trade. They remade their roster. The whole thing. It's, it, is, it is astonishing to see what the, that team has done. And you, you mentioned, I forget the exact term that you use, like the importance of, of self-evaluation yeah, or self-scouting. Of, of accurate self-evaluation. Not only did the Seahawks identify these people in the draft, but they had the foresight to recognize that Russell Wilson was done and we're going to trade him a year too soon. There are so few teams that would have had the foresight to do that. But honestly, in an honest moment, the Giants might say to themselves now, well, maybe we should have capitalized on Daniel Jones' career year and shipped him off somewhere else somehow, some way, in a sign-and-trade or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I don't know. But it is to say, like, the Seahawks have done that really well, whereas the Giants did the exact opposite. So we'll see where they wind up going uh, when all of that is, is concerned. But we can do a little in case you missed it here. Uh, in case you missed it. One more time. What sound did I just make? So let me just tell you what happened there. I'm looking at my board, and I'm trying to find the little button that I pushed to play that sound effect you just heard. And in the moment that it took me to find it, I went, ah, And as I was doing it, I thought to myself, I'm on the air. Like, why am I making that sound? Baba, can you bring that back? Did it sound yeah, we're, as we're cutting it awkward right as I... As it felt? Like, as soon as I finished saying it, I thought, what the hell did I just do? Well, you, you kind of almost just added sound effects to the the open so you're just kind of like uh whoop yep i don't and then it just kind of so yeah cam's cutting it right now i don't know why i did that but it was uh i think it kind of just flowed it just you just i'm so averse to dead air right any kind yeah you you yeah no that's that's true you just you did not want to have any dead air at all At, at the idea that it might take me more than a quarter of a second to find that button 
made me feel as though I needed to make some noise. Manufacture a new open. And the noise I made was a whoomp. (laughs) Can't. Let me. Let's let's hear it. Uh, (laughs) Whoomp. I think you described it perfectly. That's what exactly what you did. Uh, Whoomp. And then I hit the thing. I mean, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know, I don't even know what I meant you by that. You just made another one. I've worked with you for ten years. You've never made that sound. No, like, it's not a sound I make. No, who would? It's not a human sound. No, but you would have thought. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a tick you have, is what I'm saying. Like no. that just came out. It just came out. It, it really was. I was just trying to fill the dead space between the, in the time it took me to find the open. I'll tell you right now. Okay, I'm going to try and hit it in three, two, one. Uh, In case you missed it. Because that little time after the one would have bothered me a lot. Now I know where it is. Okay, that said, it's in case you missed it because we bring back interesting things that people said on Get Up earlier in the day. And one of them was our buddy RG3 talking about uh, Daniel Jones. One, the Giants certainly regret paying Daniel Jones what they paid him. Mm. And two, the value of a running back conversation comes up when you look at this. I know they had three of their five offensive linemen, starting offensive linemen, out during the course of this game. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Saquon Barkley with Daniel Jones, they're three and eight in the last 11 games without Saquon. Daniel Jones has more interceptions than touchdowns in games that Saquon does not play. And the reason for that is when you say let Danny dime – the only way that he can dime is through play-action pass. Yes. But no one is going to bite on the play-action pass if you don't have a running back that is going to make them feel threatened. Facts. So the, that facts is, is Jeff Saturday saying facts, which on some level I agree with. But here's the part that it gets complicated. Saquon Barkley wasn't not playing last night because they didn't pay him. The reason they didn't pay him is because running backs tend to get hurt all the time. The two poster children for this argument are Austin Eckler and and Saquon. Austin Eckler was talking about they need to pay me, they need to pay me, they need to pay me. Week two this year, he wasn't playing. Now, I'm not criticizing him. I'm not in any way questioning his toughness. He's hurt. He's a terrific player. He's hurt. But the reason you don't pay those guys $30 million a year is because they're hurt. Well, you also, yes, but that's only half of the coin here because you also don't pay those guys $30 million a year because theoretically you can replace them easily. And the Giants have not done that, right? So that's Saquon Barkley's leverage. Like, no, I'm not on the field. But guys, look how much worse my quarterback is when I'm not there. Right. There's two sides of the coin. That's all. No, there isn't. What side of the coin is that? He's not there. It doesn't make any difference one way or the other. The point is that when Saquon Barkley plays, right. he's exceedingly valuable to Daniel Jones. Right. That's what his camp is arguing. The Giants arguing, yes, that might be true, but you're not healthy. You're not playing. What I'm saying is it works both ways. It works both ways because theoretically teams are saying I can plug in anyone to do your job as well as you. And it's very clear that in the Giants case, that's not the case. Right. That wouldn't be my reasoning. If I owned an NFL team, Mm -hmm. the reason I wouldn't want to pay Saquon Barkley is not that I thought we could get someone else to do it just as well. Mm -hmm. It is that it, it, it starting in week three, we haven't seen him again. And who knows when we will. And then here's where the thing takes the really nasty turn. And I I love Saquon, and everyone does. And so in his unique case, he may be trying everything he can to get back as quickly as he can. But who could blame him if he wasn't? Who could blame him if he said, so I had the year of my life. You, the coach, got coach of the year and became everybody's darling. You, the quarterback, got 40 million bucks out of it. You, the franchise, decided not to give me a red cent based upon how valuable I was to you. So now you want me to bust my behind so I can get back as quickly as possible? Think again. 
I'm not rushing back. I'll come back when I'm good and healthy and good and ready. Didn't he get like a, a conditional $900,000 more? Was Which that- is practically nothing. And yes, it was conditional based upon incentives he had to reach that now he can't right. because he's hurt. And as it turns out, maybe it was him that was the linchpin all along. Well, it is. <laughs> not these other guys that made all this money. It, it clearly is. Right. Who was more valuable to the Giants last year, Saquon Barkley or Daniel Jones? Well, the evidence is pretty clear. Who was more valuable, Saquon Barkley or Brian Dable? Well, the evidence is pretty clear. At least seems like it. Now look, Brian Dable might be joining a very inauspicious list. Bill Belichick disciples often start hot and then nosedive. Eric Mangini, 10-6 and six with the Jets his first year, 4-12 and 12 the second. Now, that's not really fair because his quarterbacks all got hurt the second year. Chad got hurt, and that was that. And then they went out and got Brett Favre. Josh McDaniels went to the Broncos. Year one, it was 8-8. Eight and eight. Year two, 3-9, and nine, fired midseason. Nick Saban, Dolphins, 2005, went 9-7. and seven. Next year, 6-10, and 10, and left for Alabama. So Bill Belichick's disciples have historically not had a lot of success. Brian Dayball obviously is not best known as a Bill Belichick disciple. Most people, I think, were aware of him because of his time in Buffalo, where he worked with Josh Allen and I think deservedly got a lot of credit for the development of Josh Allen. Look, I think Brian Dayball is a terrific coach. This has nothing to do with that. What I am saying is every coach looks a lot better when he's got good players, and the Giants just don't have very many. That's 100% true, and I can't believe I've gone 90 minutes into this show without just saying something that I've been meaning to say all along. Go. Brian Dable showed up his quarterback on the sideline yesterday, and I was made uncomfortable by it. I found it unacceptable. If, 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 a, if a player on a football team had thrown an iPad and had very clearly showed up one of his teammates or his coaches, we would have been talking about it a lot. Brian Dayball quite obviously and intentionally showed up Daniel Jones in that game with his body language. And I thought that was unacceptable. We would not have given a player for a pass. We would not have given a star player for a pass, certainly. I don't think we should give Brian Dayball a pass either. That was not a way that a head coach, no matter how frustrated you are, should be acting on the sidelines in front of cameras with your franchise quarterback. Okay, let, let me think this through. We have seen innumerable examples of players at times, great players smashing those tablets. To wit, Tom Brady. How many times have we seen Tom Brady do that? Remember the time that Tom Brady and Bill O'Brien, when O'Brien was the offensive coordinator in New England, got into what you were yelling at each other. O'Brien is yelling something at Brady, and he shouted back. If you read his lips, you know exactly what he was saying. We have seen that before. You think this was different? Yes, because that was reciprocal. Like, Daniel Jones was just kind of taking it. <laughs> I guess the point is, if would it have been different if Jones had shouted something back? In this case, Dayball was yelling at him through the tablet, which I agree with you, I didn't love. Mm-hmm. Through the tablet, if, if, if Daniel Jones had yelled something back at him, which just might not be in keeping with his personality, would that have changed the way you saw it? A little bit. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, it just looked to me as if what Brian Dayball was trying to do was tell the world, this is not my fault. And I didn't like that. I don't know if it was intentional or not. Maybe, maybe it wasn't. Like, I'll give him the benefit of that doubt. But even so, like, this is the face of my franchise. Like, and I don't like the fact that he's being so incredibly obviously like, combative and quite uh, obviously disrespecting his player in that manner. Like, if you watch the video, I actually found it to be fairly off-putting. Okay, so, so I hear what you're saying. What you're saying does make sense. Here's what I'll say. I don't feel like... The people on those sidelines, because they're so accustomed to being there, think about it all the time. Like, 
when Mark Sanchez ate a hot dog on the sideline during a game when he was the quarterback of the Jets and we wound up doing four hours of it on the radio show the next day because people were making a big deal of it, I, I honestly think maybe this is just my own naivete. I don't think he thought it was a big deal. I think he thought, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat this. No, Who's going to notice? <laughs> you know, I think those guys are so used to it. There's cameras on the sideline the whole time. A game takes over three hours to play. Do you think that the, the coaches and the players on those sidelines are cognizant all three hours of the fact that, that everything they're doing is being documented and watched? They never lose themselves in the moment? I don't know about that. I, I know Dominique said on the TV show today that one of the things they teach you when you're a cornerback in the NFL is if your team gets beat for a touchdown and you know it wasn't your fault because there was a blown coverage somewhere, you're not supposed to throw your hands up and look at the other guys because you're sort of telling the world that was your fault, not mine. I get that. I get that when an outfielder drops a, a pop fly, a pitcher is not supposed to slam his glove down in disgust. Those, I think, are different than this. This was a, a, um, a dispute. I mean, I think coaches yell at players all the time. If he hadn't sort of flung the tablet a little bit, I don't think we would have noticed. I hear what you're saying. The flinging of the tablet, it does look bad. It does make Daniel, because Daniel Jones is kind of sitting there looking at him like a little kid. So it does look like a kid who's being yelled at by his dad. I, I hear what you're saying. I am willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, though, that I... I don't feel it was intentional. Maybe not. Maybe I'm naive, but I don't think it was intentional. Okay, even if we give him the benefit of that doubt, to me, it was a pretty strong signal that that relationship's not in a good place because if I'm, a, as a coach, like, you can, you can see it very clearly. Like, he's doing, like, the thing on the iPad, like, look at this guy. You threw it to this guy instead and then throws it and walks away. That's the equivalent of throwing your arms up if you're a pitcher, if, if you're outfielder. Drops Maybe. Look, ball. I don't know Brian Dayball at all, and I don't know that... Here's what I am aware of. I am told by everyone that he is a, a coach who coaches these guys tough, mm -hmm. that he gets in their face, that he gets all over Josh Allen when he makes those mistakes he used to make. You ever notice that he stopped making those mistakes when Dayball was yeah. there and seemed to start doing it again when Dayball was gone, that he coached that stuff out of Daniel Jones's game last year. Jones only threw five interceptions the whole season. He's thrown six Crazy. in four games. So I get Dayball saying, look, this is exactly what we worked on. You know, if, if, if we... There's no there's no analogy to it that 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 it would apply to our relationship or anything that we do here, but I can see Dayball being that frustrated in the moment, and I can see a world I don't know this for a fact in which their relationship is strong right. enough that Jones accepts that that Jones is like man he's right he told me that nine yeah. times I made the mistake he told me not to make he's mad at me and then after the game everything would be fine I don't know this but I do. I see a world in which that's the reality. So for me, then, it's, it's less about the, the, the disagreement and more about the histrionics, which I took to, I interpreted as, this is Daniel's fault, this is not my fault, and I'm going to show to the world that with the way that I, with my body language. All right, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't know that I, I don't see it the same way, but I understand the point that you're making. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. We have an exceptional um, segment of I'm sorry, what coming up. See, I should have made the noise there. Uh, I, I lost myself in that thought, and then I, <laughs> I, I, I decided not to fill the void 
as I was trying to remember the name of the feature. The feature is called I'm Sorry What? Interesting people saying interesting things. You need to hear some of these, several of which are going to need to be explained to me. Those are coming up next on ESPN Radio. Uh, 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Starting Stronger starts at AutoZone, where they've got battery solutions in the form of free battery testing, free battery charging, and replacement batteries that fit your needs. That's what makes them America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone with AutoZone. Quickly, once again, Hembo, uh, playoffs, baseball playoffs start today. Every pitch, every game right here on ESPN Radio. Four first-round series, and Hembo likes? I like Texas over Tampa Bay. I like Toronto over Minnesota. I like Milwaukee over Arizona. I like my Philadelphia Phillies over the Miami Marlins. Woo! How will you be feeling tomorrow? Phillies is the late game tonight, yeah, right? Or the latest of the games. Mm-hmm. Um... Give me a sense of what life is going to be like for Hembo tomorrow morning if the Phillies lose tomorrow. Oh, bad. Because I'm going to be exhausted having stayed up to watch the game, obviously. And then the, the Citizens Bank Park crowd is going to be tense for game two. Aaron Nola is going to pitch game two. Aaron Nola has had a really rocky season. He's in a contract year. Phillies fans are out on Aaron Nola. So it's going to be a, a low degree of confidence against a Marlins team that, honestly, has kind of been a thorn in our side the last few seasons. It's not going to be a good day. These best of threes to start are just such a good idea to make the counter-argument to what I made earlier that this is not a great way to crown a champion, which it is not, or at least it's not the best way to determine the best team. But it is a great way to entertain your fans and name a champion at the end. Out of curiosity, which did you prefer? So last year they did it over a weekend. They did a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I like this. You like this more? Oh, for sure. So they can have it all to themselves? Absolutely. You get it out of the way of the football. Look, you have to live within the confines of reality. Baseball, if, if they don't want to acknowledge that they're just going to get swallowed up by the NFL and even by college football over the weekend, 
That is the truth. So take this week and have it to yourself. Today, you're going to watch baseball. Tomorrow, you're going to watch baseball. Thursday, you're going to watch baseball. It's great. And you know what? There will be people who will watch those games Mm. that might not have, if they had been up against football games, that will say, I'm into this. And next thing you know, they're watching over the weekend. They're watching further games going forward. This is a thousand times better than that. Now, I thought you were going to ask me, do I like this better than the one-game playoffs that they had, how many years did we have that? I've lost track. Uh, from a, 20, about a decade? Yeah, 10 years, from 2012 through the 2021 season. So for about, about 10 years. Excluding the 2020 season. Yeah, of because of the COVID. The, yeah. COVID. The, the, the one game play-in, and that was exciting. But I, do, I kind of like the fact that this lasts now over the course of an entire week. I mean, you got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we'll see how many games we get Thursday. But we should get, I mean, we're certainly going to get at least one and maybe more. Baseball is not a sport intended to be played in a sudden death right. elimination type thing. Correct. The best of three is like the, the, the foundation of the baseball schedule. I love that we're doing this to open the postseason. Me too. Anyway, again, every pitch, every game of the baseball playoffs right here on ESPN Radio. Uh, in the meantime. I'm sorry, what? what, what? I'm sorry, what, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? All right, I got a couple of sound bites. Now, I haven't heard this one, but Spencer Strider, who is a pitcher for the Braves was on Instagram, and it says he, that he said he doesn't want fans at the games. I have to believe he was kidding. Any hot sports takes? Absolutely, there should be no fans. 2020 season, no fans. Get rid of the fans. It's too loud. Too loud? It's too okay. loud. Everybody be quiet. We don't, we don't need the, the cheering. We know you're watching. I don't need the fans. You stay outside the stadium. Back it up. <laughs> Let's do like a no lower bowl thing. Yeah, upper deck's great. Upper deck's great. Outfield, phenomenal. We don't need you around the dugouts. Try and be quiet. He's, he's ki- obviously kidding, right? I mean, is, is that is that? I feel is, like he's half kidding, but I think in re- he really would prefer there not to be like any noise. I think that's what he's getting at. Is he he can't handle the crowd? He's going to get yeah. cheered very loudly by the opposing. Yeah, it's going to backfire <laughs> in the playoffs this year. Spencer Strider sounds like a man that got lit up in Philadelphia last he year. Sure I was did. there, camp game three, Braves Philly, Citizens Bank Park. He pitched for two and a third innings. Reese Hoskins. Five runs. I was there. That was the Reese Hoskins bat spike game. He and Bryce Harper at back-to-back home runs early in that game. I have never been in a sporting event so loud. That is what he is citing without saying it last year. This is on Philly. Yeah, his next road game. I mean, oh. I don't know why he would say this. He should Especially at least wait till the offseason. His next road game is going to be brutal for him. Should have been a golfer. I mean, if he likes it quiet. <laughs> yeah, why'd you play baseball? Yeah, I mean, exactly. You picked an interesting sport. You picked an interesting profession. Plus to be pitcher when literally all eyes are on you. <laughs> if you're minute. out in left field, just want, literally every single person is looking at what you're doing. <laughs> he seems less, like it says on my screen here, he seems to be kidding. He sounded less like he was kidding than I expected him to sound. No. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he was at least partially kidding. I can't wait for his I think first Kimbo has road right. postseason start. Oh, yeah, it's going to be bad. All right, I like it. Next on, on the uh, list of I'm sorry, Watts, Kawhi Leonard talking about the new NBA resting rules, which are put in place in large part because of him. If the league is seeing or trying to mock what I did with the Raptors, then they sh- should stop because I was injured during that whole year. But other than that, if I'm able to play, I'll play basketball. I'll work out every day in the summertime to play the game, not to sit and watch people play. No league policy is helping me to play more games. What Kawhi is saying is that the new rules are put in place are not put in place because of him, because he's legitimately been hurt. He's not load managing. He's not resting. He's injured. 
and unable to play. And I guess on some level, you have to give him the benefit of the doubt if he's saying that. The most complicated part of all of this is that I'm not inside these guys' bodies. We just had Mark Cuban in here talking about science is dictating, doctors are dictating that resting healthy players at certain points in the season is beneficial for the team and for the player. That is the part of this that is really troublesome. I'm not in any way bothered by injured players not playing. And that's why this becomes so complicated because teams have become so brazen about it that they will go, like Golden State will go to Memphis and they'll just say, okay, tonight, Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Andrew Wiggins are not playing. So we're not giving you an NBA caliber product at all. And to his everlasting credit, that's what Adam Silver got out of the sport by putting this policy in place, which in part dictates only one superstar per game can be seated and dictates certain games that are judged as more important than others for a variety of reasons. What Kawhi Leonard is articulating is the problem here is that it is very difficult to distinguish between what is necessary rest because of an injury and what is rest you're just choosing to give a player. And that's where this becomes so hard to govern. It's very messy because while Mark Cuban can sit there and say, we're following our doctors, we're listening to our scientists. The reality is, this is still more an art than a science. And the difference between being hurt and being injured sometimes includes gray area. And every individual athlete is different, their pain tolerance and such. I'm also not convinced that playing more basketball doesn't help you play more basketball from a conditioning standpoint and soft tissue injuries and things of that nature. I think that is an area of science that needs to be further explored before I'm all the way on board with the load management. Yeah, look, they're not going to do that part of the exploration. No, they're not. That's not what they're <laughs> going to find out. Uh, I'm, and, and look, I'm on record. I've said it a million times. I, I, if there are too many games on the schedule for the players to play, then they need to be fewer games on the schedule. That's the solution here. It's not the likely outcome, but I can continue to be a voice in the wilderness. That said, I mean, Kawhi Leonard, if you're legitimately hurt, you're legitimately hurt. And neither I nor anyone else can tell him otherwise. All right, another fun day. Enjoy the baseball all day long, and we'll see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow on ESPN Radio. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.